This is Kirk Cousins, and you are listening to the Wobcast, hosted by Wobby. Hey everyone, welcome back in. It's another edition of the Wobcast. I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw, coming from TCO Studios in Egan. Producer and co-host Chris Corso by my side. The regular season is here, everybody. The Vikings kick things off against the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday, and we are stoked about it. What's up, Chrissy? I am pumped. I'm ready to go. All right. Week one. Yes. Finally, the regular season is here. We open by hosting the Niners on Sunday. So we get into our weekly routine now, which is going to include, of course, the Wobcast early each week. So this is the spot every week going forward where you will hear the Wobcast, and we're looking forward to it. As expected, a jam-packed show this week. And we're excited to get into it. Coming up, we're going to dive into some news and notes. We'll say goodbye to some Vikings icons. We'll take a closer look at the San Francisco 49ers. And, of course, we'll get to some of your mail. But first, what better way to kick off the season than to welcome in the voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen, to help us cast our gaze on the 2018 landscape. How many seasons is this for you, Colin Games? This will be number 17. That's, um... I don't know. You you pay attention to other voxes in the league. Seventeen is what? Upper top ten? I don't know. Um, Wayne Larravee's done the Packers for quite some time. Brad Sham has been with the uh, Cowboys for yeah. quite some time. Yeah, I would imagine seventeen probably is up there. Started no two, and uh, we'll see what twenty eighteen brings. Do you have um, stories of like listening to baseball games when you were laying in your bed, going to sleep late yeah. at night when you were growing up? And fa- yes, yeah. skull stories go for me go back to <laughs> skull stories. <laughs> skull stories go back to I'd say eighty to eighty four. Yeah, uh, when uh, when I relocated to Los Angeles, and I was the kid who laid in bed. And listen to Vin Scully yeah. called wow. Dodger Dodger Games Big on fan. on the radio seven ninety KABC and uh, listen to Chick Hearn describe L A Lakers games mm-hmm. on five seventy AM KLAC. So yeah, I listened to that pretty much every night. Fell in love with it. Wanted to, wanted to do it. Yeah, and then um, you got into horse racing and mm-hmm. and announcing those. Yeah, which is. I, I know that you're you're the announcer for a football team. You're an announcer on a radio broadcast, but a, the the horse racing one is just so distinct from yeah. any other job. Well, the you know, you know actually an advantage of mine, given this is my first play by play job at any level. Yet when I started in '02, I had called races for nine years, and the crescendo building of horse racing is similar to crescendo building of plays. Mm -hmm. So you have off the far turn, top of the stretch, in the final furlong, Cousins, back to pass, looks left, fires right, inside the 10. So it's crescendo building. And by taking some of the racetrack flair and or lines that I've used, like Mm -hmm. Andy's Loose, Mm -hmm. which I've used in race calls for many, many years, it, it translates to the NFL well. It fits in the crescendo building, and nobody else uses it. Yeah. So it just all adds up. So I, I want to, um, I want to make everyone aware not to just like build you up and, and put you on a pedestal, but I want to bring um, people into, um, you know, into our into the world maybe that we are entering right now. Yeah. In, in the NFL, routine is king. Big right? time. So we're gonna get comfortable. And we're gonna get into our routine. Yep. But it's especially great for you coming off the grind that you're coming off of 
that you know the grind that is August for you. State Fair doing nine to noon from there. Canterbury obviously in mid season, uh, and now, and you have the Vikings on top of nine to noon um, regularly. So it's a lot that happens for you in August, and you're kind of getting out of it now into mm-hmm. your NFL routine, right? Yeah the the preparation for the radio show and the preseason simulcast. That actually is the most tedious and takes the most time because, like, you know, we, we, when we went to Nashville, fourth preseason game, get back at two, get back to my house in Eden Prairie, 245, fall asleep at 330, state fair, eight in the morning for a nine o'clock show. Not much sleep, but the adrenaline of doing the radio show and or calling football games, then calling horse races. The God-given adrenaline gets you through that. Yeah, it's it sleep's very important, and August is an absolute eighty <laughs> to ninety hour a week grind. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. But the jobs are fantastic. They're fun. The local sports scene is always fun. I don't love anything more than this football team, you know. So therefore, when I get a chance to do TV and radio at the same time. It's you yeah. sit next to me during all the games. Yeah. I mean, I can be tired, I can be cranky, then you know, then the on switch hits and boom, let's have a good time. That's right. The the audience couldn't care less if I'm cranky or not. They just want to know if David Perry's gonna make the squad and how many tailbacks are we gonna keep. And then from a racetrack standpoint, I mean we have a minute twelve to a minute thirty every twenty three minutes. If I can't pump it up for that, then it's probably time to hang it up. <laughs> right. Um, we are ready for the regular season to start. Coho's giggled. Yeah, you yeah, like that I, one. I'm Best a, ever. I, I love the uh, the horse racing. It's skull, oh, yeah. We call them skull stories. Uh, right. That's right. I'm a yeah. big fan. Um, I grew up uh, right by Belmont Park in New oh, York. Yeah. So. You did? Yeah. Garden City? Very cool. I was in Melville, New York, so yeah. probably like... 15 minutes away right from on, there. Man. Okay. Did you away. go to Belmont Park? I did. A yeah. decent amount. I was a, I was a big my grandfather yeah. uh, just passed a couple months ago and that was his favorite thing to do. So. God okay. rest his soul. God. Don't let him sandbag you on the horse racing. Yeah, that's right. He came out to Canterbury last summer oh, one yeah? time. I did. He left with so much money that we almost had to give him a card key to the oh, money room. That's that's why a poster with his picture is up yes. on the walls there. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he made the Canterbury Hall of Fame right. with one bet. <laughs> Took me 15 years, he made it with one pick five. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. All right, so we're ready for the season to start, but is the team, are we ready to play games? Uh, I think absolutely. I mean, I don't, you know, as as hard as we analyze practice, joint practices, training camp, the preseason games, there are a lot of opinion uh, opinions formulated, but you really have to dive deeply into, all right, there were times the Vikings' number one passing attack didn't look great in practice against the Vikings' first defense. How much offense are they hiding for the regular season? Yeah, Defense look good every step of the way and will look good in the regular season. Now, uh, we have a new punter, which means we have a new holder for a rookie kicker. Um, I definitely am going to be following that very closely early in the season because it's new. And like you said, the NFL thrives on routine. This is new. So we just have to wait it out and, and watch it work. Yeah. Um, the mindset, you know, Coach Zimmer is very keen and adept at the the psyche of his team, you know, and he, he goes through a lot of exercise and thought on how to shape it and mold it and, and, and get his team in the right mindset. So are the Vi- does he want the Vikings to be the hunted or does he want the Vikings to be the hunters this Hunt, season? Hunted 100%. Even though I believe 
They No, the Hunters, 100%. Okay. Even though I believe the majority of the season, because of the 13-3, and three, the miracle, and the high-end roster, specifically with the defense, they are the, they, they are the hunted. But he's been a hunter all of his life. Yeah. I mean, you have coaches jumping into the NFL as head coaches who didn't have to wait nearly as long as him. Yeah. You know, so he's been on the grind all of his life. And and his defense is incredibly well respected and his team's very good. So he will preach hunter. Yep. We we definitely, I think, are the hunted with most teams we face. Uh, Shanahan with San Francisco, I mean, all week up to this this regular season opener. I guarantee you he's preaching to his team how good this team was, how many games this team won, all the good they have there. Let's go in and beat them, and then we yeah. will become the hunted. Yeah. So I, I understand how Zim works, and he has a very good way, kind of the way he worked with Case Keenum last year, in keeping people on edge to provide their best. Right. The offensive line, I think, is the number one – thing I get asked about with the team Same. From, from fans. Okay. And I I can't, you know, we, I think that there was um, things that happened in the NFC Championship game when everyone was watching that really has people wondering, did we get better there? Because mm-hmm. they see a lot of the same names who are going to play on our offensive line this year. Yeah. So they wonder, did we get better there? And I, I don't I don't have anything real concrete to like point to and say it's just a feeling I have that I think our offensive line is going to be better. Well, but people don't have a hard time believing that. Wabi, what's concrete for me is what we saw in training camp practices, the joint practices, and three of the four preseason games. No matter what the opposition was, no matter who was on the offensive line, they ran well. Dalvin Cook is back. That helps. Murray's better now than he was yeah. last year. That helps. Uh, but also, you can't shortchange the fact that the GM, the head coach, and or the offensive coordinator probably know what deficiencies they have with the offensive line. So it gives them the opportunity to work around it. So say you say spot C is the weak spot on the Vikings' offensive line and you want to exploit it. Well, the team probably knows uh, example C is the weak spot, so they're not going to let you expose it. Yeah, you know. So therefore, there there are ways to work around it. No, no matter what the deficiencies are. Yeah, and, and I just I feel good about Reef, and when Elf Line is healthy, I feel really good about him. Mm-hmm. I think Remmers gives you a really good versatile depth guy. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, you know, and who who says that Jones can't come in here? Brett Jones can't come in here and help us. And before we say, know. you know, the Vikings haven't focused on the offensive line. They got Elf Line in the third round two years ago. Worked out incredibly well. Um, and let, let's not say they didn't focus on something until Brian O'Neill plays game after game after game, and let's see how he looks. Yeah. I happen to think his run blocking in the preseason was a lot better than I thought it would be. And you know what? The Oakland Raiders, from uh, the UCLA guy over to Penn with Hudson and Kalecio Semele, fantastic. Dallas Cowboys with Zach Martin, uh, Tyron Smith, and so fantastic. But you know what? I think they'd probably look at Rick and Zimmer's defense and be like, whoa, We'd probably like to have these corners. Yeah. We'd probably like to have these safeties. So it's a team game where you win as a team. The Vikings offensive line definitely could be better in some spots. But their defense, the quarterback, the wide receivers, the tight end, it all offsets things. Mm-hmm. That's what helps you get to 13. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And also I like 
you know, you know how offensive linemen are as um, you know, as guys, their attitude and their outlook on on the game and yeah. on life. I mean, they're they're it's a certain breed of of guy. No doubt. Okay. And that, they're generally very smart. Smart? Yeah, they're they're sort of like grumpy sometimes, yeah. right? And like when they're counted out or when they are discounted, that's sort of when they can gel and have cohesion and and really yeah. want to prove you wrong. Yeah. And I kind of like that about our offensive line. Yeah, but think about it. Offensive linemen are banging at the at the highest level every single play of every game. Defensive linemen get to rotate. Yeah. So, like, even Linval, who's the best in the business at his spot, he may bang, 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 but then he's out and David Perry's in. Yeah. Then Linval's back. Then Jaleel Johnson's in. Yeah. Then it's a third down and Sheldon Richardson's out and somebody slides inside. There never are offensive line rotations, left tackle to right tackle. So it's an incredibly taxing job. Mm-hmm. It always is under scrutiny. If they do incredibly well, you never hear, holy cow, look at Tom Compton left flat the way he pulled on that screen. But if somebody gets around an offensive lineman, you know, then they suck. Yeah. So it's it's kind it's kind of a vankless job, but it's also the nuts and bolts of what makes everything good. Right. All right, this is um, this has sort of been something I've thought about a lot. Week two, we're at Lambeau Field. Mm-hmm. All right, so what I'm wondering is, we don't know what's going to happen in week one. The Packers play at home against the Bears. Good we, game. That is a good game. Cleo Mack, also yep. by the way, that, Roquan that Smith. They both yeah. just go at each yeah. other. Trevathan, right. yep. Eddie so Jackson. We have the Niners at home. Yeah. I, I Jimmy think Garoppolo. Both of those games, it's conceivable, can go either way. So we don't. Sure. It's going to be two one and one and zero teams, two zero and one. I don't know what it's going to be. A, a, an zero and one against a one and one week two. Got you. But that's a huge game at Lambeau Field in week two. No doubt. Are we gonna, as not just the three of us in here, but the fan base and the the people who watch NFL football, are we o- gonna overreact to what happens? Week two at Lambeau Field. Well, locally speaking, I think the answer is yes. Like when you do the Monday mailbag, or I crack open the phone lines first hour nine to noon the Monday after that Lambeau game. Yep. Well, it's these games count two, and not only do they count two because they're in the division, you can say they count three because they're within the conference mm-hmm. and it plays into the record. Then you go to work that day, or you go to bed that night with uh, with your wife from Wausau. And she's letting you have it. I mean, she's teasing you because your squad just lost to her squad. (laughs) Right. So that amplifies when they go to the mailbag Monday morning why they think it's super negative if you lost. Yes. Or, holy cow, A-Rodge is back and we still won. You know, so yes, it's over-amplified. Um, but again, it, the these games against Green Bay is the team to beat in the division to win the division, in my opinion. So therefore, if you lose to them early in the season, not only have they either surpassed you record-wise or tied you, but they have that tiebreaker right. with that win. So it's a massive, massive game. It is, and 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 we we like to as a society, a culture, a sports culture, we we like to be prisoners of the moment. And I think after that week two thing, that's going to happen. I mean, if we win and we're two and zero, yeah, Vikings fans are are thinking one seed Super Bowl Atlanta. Here we come. Oh yeah, that's what they're thinking. But and that but that's the National Football League mindset. I know. I, so it's a, it's an angry, overreactive fan base. Not everybody. One game a week. React to it on Monday. Chill out on Tuesday. Freak out at your fancy football team Wednesday and Thursday. <laughs> right. Forget about it Friday. <laughs> get the party again. set on Saturday. Freak out again Sunday and do it all but again. I'm, I'm all just again. saying, if if we beat the Niners, then we go to Lambo and we're two and zero. 
and then you come and you don't beat the Bills, like that, I mean, you're going to come back down to earth hard yeah. after that. Yeah. Oh, we just got to chill out, okay? <laughs> like, this thing is not going to get like won that. and lost in September. No, but it's not like that. And that, I mean, with all due respect, that's the charm of the NFL fan base. That's why 70% of the TVs in this market will be on our game on Fox 9. Yeah. That's why hundreds of thousands of people will listen to it on the Vikings radio network. I know. It's it's it stands alone because it's a weekly thing. It's physical, it's violent, <laughs> it's and amazing. there just is a lot of yeah. vitriol that goes into this whole thing. I know. Uh finally, uh last thing before we go, we talk uh, about the team and the players and the coaches. The Vikings, uh general manager Rick Spielman and his staff and the talent accumulation um, like think back to the quarterback situation we had last year. We had three guys who could start games in a league where it's really hard to find quarterbacks. We have two running backs that any team would love to have, Thielen and Diggs. Our defense is loaded at, at every level. Um, there's just really a lot of good players on this team, and it's a treat to watch it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to say drafting in the first three rounds is easy, but there have been times with the way Spielman and his staff have done it, they've made it look easy. Yeah. I like the trade up for Harrison Smith to, uh, to identify him, getting Kendricks where you did, getting Daniel Hunter where you did. Spectacular. Uh, the work they've done the last two years specifically with college free agency, if there's a team in the NFL that has done a better job, I need to see it. Yeah. I mean, from Tashawn Bauer through the two backs who made the team, Boone and Thomas, Holton Hill made the team. Um, and uh, Avion Collins. No, no, nobody heard of Avion Collins from TCU. Mm-hmm. He was active a fair amount last year. Played every offensive line position, save center in the preseason. Yeah. So that that's a sneaky side angle to the work Spielman, Peyton, Munnins, and his staff put in to below the surface work. Mm-hmm. Where with the draft, okay, Devontae Downs in the seventh round. I hope he goes to 15 straight Pro Bowls, but he was drafted. The college free agency bit, you have to identify them, pay them, beat other teams who are trying to get them, and that all has to work together, and it's worked well here. All right. Um, before we um, – Oh, and Eric Wilson. How can I not mention Eric Wilson? Right, yeah. Undrafted Cincinnati, good special teams last year, yeah. nondescript defensively. Might have been our best defensive player the entire preseason. All right. Uh, my man, Jeff Kilty from Sacramento, California, a fan who emails me all the time, he sent me a Word document that had like 20 over-unders, mm-hmm. okay? And he asked me to play along with them, so I did. But I sure. want to do it here since we have you in TCO Studios, PA, and um, and Chrissy and me. We're going to play this over-under game, but we're not going to do all 20. Got we're it. We're just going to do two, all right? So Chrissy's got the top two um, over-unders on your sheet, Chrissy. We're going to do those, and you're going to hold our feet to the fire. Next week, we'll report back to everyone okay. how we did. You won't be here, um, but we'll hold your feet to the fire, too. So you're going to go first on both and of these. All right? Go ahead, Chrissy. Let's do it. They're both on the Vikings offense, and the first one is the Vikings starting running back, and that's Dalvin Cook rushing attempts. In week one. In week one. Under over 14 and a half. I go over because I think at this stage of the season, specifically with an offensive line that really, with all due respect, I think is still in flux. Yep. I mean, we don't exactly know who the center is going to be. You know, the, the, the offensive line is unpredictable. I say over because I think they're going to run it a lot. Um, I do think it'll be more of a split carry situation early between Cook and Murray than maybe some other people think. I think Murray might get the inside the five work. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think Dalvin will cross that 14 and a half by the end of the third quarter. Okay. How many? How many? I don't know. Um I it feels like it feels like 18ish. 18ish. Something like that. I'm under. 
I'm going to go under on this. And I think Dalvin could lead us in rushing attempts and still be under this number because Dalvin could have 13 and Latavius could have 11, and you got 24 carries between your top two backs, and yep. you could still give one or two or three to C.J. Ham. And by the way, we have Rock Thomas and Mike Boone. One yep. of them could be active. So yep. I'm, I, I see what they did in the preseason with Dalvin. It's intentional. It's pragmatic. It's, uh, they're being careful, and I think that will continue in week one. Eventually, I think Dalvin is a 20-carry-a-game guy. So that's carries, not touches, right? Yes. Because yep. they'll throw it to him. I know. Six times, is, and, and yep. he'll bring in this four. This is rushing, rushing attempts. attempts. Got it. I'm still on the over. I think 14.5 is a good number, so Jeff did a know. good job. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm under, and I'm not knocking Dalvin. I'm yeah. just saying it's just the first game, so we're just we're going to warm up over time here. Yeah. I'm going way over. Yeah. Way over. Like what? Like how far over? I think 23 to 25. I said 25 okay. All right. before, before the broadcast, but I think 23 to 25. All right. What's next? Yeah, next. I think that's too many, but we, we, we can debate it after um, after it comes to fruition. I love it. Next one, Diggs and Thielen, receptions. Nine and a half combined. So the two of them combined, nine and a half receptions. What do you got, PA? Well, I'm under, um, and I think one of them will have seven, which means the other needs to get three, which seems feasible. Uh, but I think Rudy, Treadwell, C.J. Ham, Dalvin Cook, even Murray, I think they will get catches. Conklin might get some, Morgan might get some, but at this stage of the equation, I believe the Vikings are absolutely a run-first team, yeah. and I think they will be unpredictable with when they run and when they throw. So the the under here would have to be the prohibitive underdog. I'd spot up on that plus. All right, I am. Uh, I'll, I will take the favorite and 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 the chalk and go over on this. Um, <laughs> You're probably right, though. Well, I, I, I mean, if one receiver has seven, yeah, which is thinking. feasible, the other only needs to have three. I, that's I, ridiculous. Th- it's going to happen one of two ways. One way it could happen is what you said, where one guy has like all of it, like gets over on his own, because the Niners are not just going to let Cousins pick and choose on whatever play and go to digs here, and like they're probably going to say we're taking fourteen out, or we're taking nineteen out. Yeah, they're probably going to do one of those two things, and now the other guy's going to feast. Yeah, or. I think you're right that we're a running team. I don't think we're putting Cousins on a bunch of seven-step drops right away, and yep. so it's going to be lots well, of quick, short passing. You know what? Uh, Sherman better be re- ready to go. He better and, be. and he's elite, and he is off an Achilles, and you know he didn't play a ton in the preseason because when you have Richard Sherman, that's you against the other guy, and there is no help. Yeah. So if that's the case, pick your poison. Is it Thielen or is it Diggs? Well, I think that's going to be up to us because I feel like Sherman pretty much stays on one side of the field, doesn't doesn't he? He did with Seattle. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, maybe the Niners will change it. But uh, that could be up to us, you know. And and, and if it is, if Sherman is the guy who just stays on one So you have the corners who shadow receivers, like we've done with Xavier. But you also have the way Seattle used to do it where it was just Sherman is on that side of the field all the time. Now it's up to the offense you know, to decide who's going to be guarded by Sherman, and I would—I can't wait to see what the Vikings do with Does that. Sherman not follow Diggs around, though. I feel like that would be who he would guard. I don't know. I don't know, man. U.S. <laughs> Bank Stadium, very fast surface. Uh, Sherman, high end. You know, after that, looking at uh, looking at their roster, um, you have Akello Witherspoon, second-year corner from Colorado. Yep. Quan Williams, fourth-year corner from Pitt. Uh, Greg Maben, second-year DB from Iowa. Adrian Colbert, second year Kane, you know he's a DB. Um, yeah, I just uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how this works out. 
if I'm them, I have I have Sherman follow one guy. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And then I deal with the other one with two. Yeah. All right. I'm, um what? I'm going over. You're oh you're over on yeah, this I'm, one? I'm yeah. I'm so over. so you and I are over on this. Yeah, I think you guys are gonna beat me on that. <laughs> well, we'll see. Are you writing these down? I got them all down. All right, right here. We'll, we'll report back next week we're, on the Wobcast. We're good to go. All right. Thanks, PA. Appreciate it. Yep, you guys are great. Thank Appreciate you. It. You bet. The boom. Be there for the boom, as PA says. The Vikings and Niners begin at twelve o'clock. That's noon central time from US Bank Stadium. The game will be on the Vikings Radio Network. PA will have the call along with Pete Bursich, Greg Coleman, and Ben Lieber. The pregame show, which also features Paul Allen and is hosted by Mike Musman, begins at 10 a.m. on the Vikings Radio Network. All right, on to the rest of the show. Let's get to some news and notes. We'll start with what happened last weekend. The Vikings and the rest of the league cut their rosters down to the first 53-man roster for each team of the 2018 season. So, Chrissy, from the Vikings' perspective, some things that stood out to you once we got down to 53 players. Yeah, there were a lot of takeaways. It was, uh, it was fun sitting around and waiting for those roster moves to come in this past weekend, long weekend here. Um, but, yeah, my first one is five wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Five wide receivers on the roster led with, of course, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. Um, a big notable name that was cut was Kendall Wright, a free agent signing, a veteran, um, a former 1,000-yard receiver. He was cut f- from the team, so he he is no longer around. Um, a fan favorite, Chad Beebe, um, small guy, about mm-hmm. six feet, uh, about 185 pounds, and son of former NFL wide receiver Don Beebe. He makes the Vikings practice squad, so he won't be on the roster. Um, and another notable name is Brandon Zilstra, who was hurt for a lot of the preseason here, but he had a strong enough appearance in the Vikings training camp as well as the offseason to make the active roster. So we'll go um, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Brandon Zilstra, Laquan Treadwell, and the Stacey fifth Coley. is Stacey Coley, who was a draft pick out of the University of Miami. He's been injured as well, so it's good to see um, that – the Vikings front office thought he was healthy enough mm-hmm. to make an impact on the team this year. Yeah, and um, the Vikings keep two on their practice squad, as Chris mentioned. Chad Beebe is on the practice squad, and so is Jeff Bidette, an undrafted free agent out of the University of Oklahoma who's got really good speed. He's on the Vikings practice squad as well. What's next? Looking at the running backs, we kept five of them. Mm-hmm. It was Rock Thomas and Mike Boone who bottomed out the list. It's really cool to see both of them make the team. They both had great preseasons, yep. as we've touched on. There was, there was a big debate among fan, among Vikings fans, right? Like, who are you going to keep? Is it, are you a Boone guy or are you a Rock Thomas guy? Yeah. Well, Mike Zimmer is a both guy. He said yeah. it. He, he's like, I like them both. They both made the team. They're both good enough to make the team. So why would we cut one of them? I like it. Well, I mean, I know. You keep three running backs. Everyone keeps three running Well, what if you got four good ones, which we do? We're going to keep four. I love that. Plus, of course, C.J. Ham. So um, I love seeing that, not um, not worrying about what is the standard number that you keep. Forget about that. Keep your best players. That's what the Vikings did with Mike Boone and Rock Thomas. That's right, and you know we return a healthy Dalvin Cook and a healthy Latavius Murray who wasn't as healthy um, at the beginning of last season as well, so that's good to, good to see. All right, defensive line, we had some changes. Yep, you see that we keep the young players, and that's Tashawn Bauer and Steven Weatherly as the two backups as pass rushers, obviously behind Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter. And, it, and we said goodbye to Brian Robinson. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Yep, yep we'll, we'll get, get to, to that. Get to that in a minute. Uh, sticking with the defense, 
Five safeties. That's right. Wabi, you, you can speak to this. Five safeties. There's yeah. so much depth at this position. Yeah, and, and you keep J. Ron Curse and Anthony Harris, who were backups last year, backing up starters Andrew Sandejo and Harrison Smith. The fifth one is George Iloka, a very interesting addition to the Vikings secondary because Iloka comes in with institutional knowledge of Mike Zimmer's defense. He was with Mike Zimmer in Cincinnati. And Iloka comes in here and is, you know, the learning curve is not going to be steep for him because he, he's going to pick everything up very quickly if he even has to. He already knows most of it. Yep. And the stuff he doesn't know, he's going to pick up quickly because he's a smart guy. So um, it gives Mike Zimmer some flexibility. It gives him some creative license um, to do some different things with this defense, whether it's in the red zone or down by the goal line or uh, in the nickel and sub packages. So I really like the addition of George Iloka. He makes the team along with Sandejo, Harry, the hitman, Anthony Harris, and J. Ron Curse. The next one was linebackers. We're noting that there were five linebackers that were kept on the roster. Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks are the names that everyone knows. Then you look down the list, Ben Gennian, who was a draft pick last year out of the University of Michigan, Eric Wilson, an undrafted player who was a real standout on special teams, and Devontae Downs rounds out that list. Mm-hmm. He, he was a later-round draft pick out of the University of California this year. So, And I know Adam Zimmer's a very high on um, linebackers coach Adam Zimmer, very high on Devontae Downs. Sweet. Yeah, I mean, it's um, you know, I think the combination of these five linebackers and then the five safeties is going to give Zim and the defensive coaching staff some options um, when it comes to sub packages and, and situational football. So I like that a lot. Last note here, I wanted to give Wabi some love. Uh-oh, why do I get love? You get love because you talked about it. Going into preseason game number four, David Perry. You yeah. said he was a guy to watch. Mm-hmm. He was your X-Factor player that could make the team. And guess what? He made it. He's on the roster. Yeah, man. If uh, I mean, we, we hope we don't need someone to come in for Linval Joseph. We want Linval in, in the game. But yep. if you need someone to come in, maybe David Perry can do it. Not that um, some of the other guys couldn't. Jaleel Johnson has been training there. Jalen Holmes is training inside. But I think David Perry gives you a little extra oomph for, uh, for depth when it comes to the defensive tackle positions. Well, now that we went through all the, the guys who made the team, we're going to give some tribute to a couple of players who have really – poured out their heart and soul Mm -hmm. um, in purple and gold, and and we have to say goodbye to them playing on the field. Yeah, and then one of them is B-Rob. Brian Robison, who played his entire career with the Vikings, Chrissy. Um, 173 career games, as you've noted here, with 103 starts, and he finishes his career ranking third among all defensive ends in Vikings history with 60 career sacks. That's pretty good. Ninth in Vikings history, but third for his position which is a storied history of defensive linemen and defensive ends oh, yeah. in Vikings history. So kudos to Brian Robison for his longevity, his durability, his pr- his production, and his versatility. On top of all that, he's an awesome dude who treated us really well and was very charitable. So Brian Robison is what you want a football player and a person to be, and we will miss him. Uh, he's no longer uh, with the team, but he'll always be a member of the Vikings family. Also Terrence Newman. That's right. Who's retired, but is not going away, Chrissy. He's not going away. He had a great press conference um, on Monday at the Vikings facility, and he announced his retirement. He got a little emotional, which was really cool to see from a guy who's just been around for so long. Probably one of the nicest players in the building. Um, Mm -hmm. Just just an overall great great guy, great Mm -hmm. player, great mentor. 
Um, saying goodbye to the game as a player, but he joins the Vikings coaching staff. That's how much knowledge Coach Zimmer knows that Terrence has. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is the Zimmer-Newman relationship. I mean, Newman totaled 42 interceptions in his career, and you've noted, Chris, that half of them came under the tutelage of Mike Zimmer. So, um, yeah, it's it's like they kind of came to the conclusion that, that Terrence may not be a starter, may not make the team, whatever the situation was, and Zim said, hey, how about you try coaching? Terrence was like, oh, yeah, I think I'll do that. Yeah, I'm down. And so now we still get to benefit from having Terrence Newman around the building, uh, which is a good thing. The guy is his football acumen is second to none and he will transfer that expertise and 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 give it to the Vikings organization from being a player to now being a coach so that's good news there's a funny joke he made about the players calling him coach Newman he's yeah. like i don't know man that just doesn't sound right it just doesn't yeah. sound right and it then, doesn't sound right yeah and then, but we'll uh, get used to it everson griffin took to the podium and and they said you're going to call him coach newman he goes nice nah, t new baby yeah that's <laughs> he's right like, that's yeah. all i'm calling him so that's pretty cool that was, now everson is suddenly like one of the most tenured players on the team crazy i think he is the most yeah he's been here since 2010 he was naming all the guys like Jared Allen and Kevin Williams and uh, some of the players that he learned under, and B-Rob yeah. was obviously one of them. Yeah, so. for sure. Um, and then finally, uh, we sign a punter. That's right. Matt Weil joins the Vikings. Ryan Quigley, no longer the punter. It's Matt Weil. And uh, Matt Weil's been with a few different teams, and uh, Carolina, Dallas, Atlanta, and Arizona among them. He's appeared in four NFL games, and um, I think he's got a big leg. He's done some holding in his past, so I would imagine he'll do that here. And so we're going to have to get used to a new punter as Matt Wilde joins the Vikings. Um, lastly, before we move on, um, Vikings fans surely have uh, heard about this by now, but we'd be remiss not to mention it the first time we're back with you in Wobcast format is the passing of Fred Zamberletti. I know, Chris, that um, even in your relatively short time with the Vikings, you had a relationship with Freddie. Yeah, of course. I had a great relationship with him. He saw my name on the door, um, and, and I had a very small office at Winter Park, kind of located right by the kitchen, yeah. um, and I was just happy to be in the building um, when, I, when I first got here out of college, and he saw my name being a fellow Italian, which mm -hmm. was pretty funny because there, there aren't many of us here in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, and he and he always used to drop his little red duffel bag that he carried around in in my little office that I had there in Winter Park. And man, he always had some good stories. And he he really hated Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> he he, yeah. he said that damn number twelve yeah. through yeah. for four hundred yards this week or yeah. whatever. So he's. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he, he knew how to tell a story, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, he had respect for Aaron Rodgers, but competitively didn't, didn't like having him around. Fred Zambrelletti, the original Vikings trainer, dating all the way back to 1961, the first year the Vikings were in existence. Fred Zambrelletti was the trainer. In fact, Chris, I have to show you this because up on my desk upstairs, I have his um, letter of application that oh he sent gosh. to the Vikings in, uh, in 19, I think it was, it might have been 1960 when he applied for. Uh, to be the Vikings trainer in 1961. The Vikings went over 50 seasons before there was not a Fred Zamberletti sighting at a Vikings game. So, amazing. Um, yeah, an amazing career. Um, kind of like Brian Robinson, what, what you know, you would think a Viking, what you want a Viking to be. Yep. He epitomized that. Uh, class, dignity, uh, dedication, excellent excellence at his job that was fred zamberletti so our thoughts and prayers with freddie's friends and family and of course everyone here in the building who's got a heavy heart because freddie is no longer with us god bless you freddie 
All right, let's move on to some NFL-wide news and notes. Chris, what do you got? Oakland Raiders to the Chicago Bears goes Khalil Mack, linebacker. We do not like to see that happen. Well, yeah, we don't want to play him twice a year, and um, now we have to. But so does Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford. That's right. I guess that's good. But, yeah, Khalil Mack is a really good player. And uh, the Bears had to pay a, a steep price for him, both in terms of draft pick compensation and contract. But he's a guy who's uh, produced on the field, and he's going to be a good player on what was already, Chris, a really good Bears defense. So um, what better way to start it for Khalil Mack than to play Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in Week 1? Prime I, time. I believe Sunday Night Football, right? That's right. Yeah, so that's kind of a cool uh, a cool matchup, uh, made even cooler by the the trade of Khalil Mack, but now I'm sure Mack will play in the game, but remember, he wasn't at training camp with the Raiders. That's right. You know, so they're going to have to work him in very carefully, uh, which I'm sure they will do, but I, I do expect to see Mack on the field for the Bears against the Packers in Week 1. Le'Veon Bell might not be on the field That's right. in Week 1. Mike Tomlin, the Pittsburgh Steelers head coach, confirmed on Tuesday that Le'Veon Bell is not in the building, so okay. that's a big deal. Yeah, he's a really good player, and the Steelers are a really good team. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. I saw last night, Chris, you moving on to the next one, that some starting quarterbacks were named. That's right. The Buffalo Bills are going to go with Steven Peterman. The New York Jets with rookie Sam Darnold. And the Eagles may be starting Nick Foles because Carson Wentz still on the men from his knee injury. So um, interestingly, there's a game coming up very soon. The Falcons at the Eagles to open the season on Thursday night. So we'll see for sure if, it's, if it is Foles who goes. But the reports are that it will be Nick Foles who starts at quarterback for the Eagles in week one. The next one is something we've continued to bring up, and we will bring it up again because it's just fun to keep talking about it. Des Bryant does not have a team still. He is not with a roster. He did visit with um, the Cleveland Browns, as, as you can see on Hards if you watch that show on HBO. But Des Bryant, yep. the couple couple days to go before games resume, has not joined an NFL team. Yeah, interesting. Um, maybe waiting for a team to need him a little bit more, maybe for an injury or waiting for the first few weeks and a team discovers it needs a little more help at wide receiver. And um, eventually I think Des Bryant will find a landing spot and we'll, uh, we'll stick with the team. Too good of a player not to be on a team eventually, so we'll see what happens there. Next, we're going to go to the, to the NFL.com predictions. We have this video posted on Vikings.com. Um, it just reveals the list of um, records that these five experts from the NFL Network have um, for, our, for our record to be at the end of the season. So I want to go through these because they actually vary. Okay. Dan Hansis, who does a lot of work on NFL.com as a writer, has yeah. us at 10 and 6. Okay. The next one is Cynthia Freeland has mm-hmm. us at 12 and 4. Oh, okay. Getting better. I like the direction we're going. We like her. Okay. Um, keep going. Daniel Jeremiah, 13 and 3. Okay. Getting getting better. You've spoken to him a few times. He's oh, a smart DJ, guy. Oh, DJ. Right? Yeah. He's my man right there. <laughs> yeah. DJ knows his stuff. MJD, Maurice yeah, what's Jones he got? Drew. Tell he, me 14 and 2. Come on. He's got 11 and 5. Oh, well, now we're going the wrong way. He was here, too. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm souring on this now. Come on. I think he's jealous of our building. That might be <laughs> it. Um, Elliot Harrison, 9 and 7. Okay. Yeesh. Well, um, that my, rounds out the list. My favorite prediction was Daniel Jeremiah's at 13 and 3, although 
Um, if someone wanted to go higher, it wouldn't hurt my feelings. Yeah. We're not going to predict the Vikings record well, on yeah, the Wobcast. Yeah, we're, we're not going to do that. I was no. going to ask you, but... I think we're going to go 1-0 and every week. Yeah. That's that, my prediction. That's a good... I like that. And if we're going to go 1-0 and this week, it's going to start <laughs> by beating the San Francisco 49ers. So... Uh, let's get to know these 49ers a little bit, Chris. What a way to go into the Know Your Opponent segment. Mm-hmm. You just you, you drilled that. Yeah, man, segue. <laughs> I segued. All right, let's start it off. The first name that you are going to think of when you think of the San Francisco 49ers. Jerry Rice. Maybe that one, Joe yeah. Montana. <laughs> right now it's Jimmy oh, G. Oh, yeah, that guy. Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. The, the Niners traded for him. 5-0 and since taking over as a starter for the 49ers last season to finish out the year. That's pretty impressive. That is pretty impressive. And in weeks 13 through 17, he was number one in the NFL in passing yards. I think it was 308 or 309 per game. He threw for over 1,500 yards with seven touchdowns and five interceptions in six total games with the team um, after being acquired in a trade with the New England Patriots. And he's 26 years old, 7-0 and in his total career as a starter. Seems like he's pretty good, and uh, we're going to get a good look at him in week one. So hopefully we can give him a hard time, pressure him, make him move, uh, make him uncomfortable, uh, not let him hear in the huddle or hear the communication Anything. in his helmets. <laughs> yeah, we, we just want the building to be loud, raucous, and frenzied. Um, yeah, he's, he's a good player, quick release, um, a lot of moxie. You know, um, I, I've been impressed with him, and um, I hope he, you know, I don't want him to play well. I'm not saying that, but I am looking forward to seeing him, you know, because there's been just so much talk about him and so much hype. Um, and so we're going to get to see it firsthand on Sunday. Looking forward to that. Wabi, tell me about the Vikings, uh, the 49ers running back situation. Well, yeah, they took a hit because Jarek McKinnon got hurt in practice and sounds like he's got a knee injury that's going to keep him out for the season. So that is sad uh, because we like Jet and we wished him nothing but the best when he left here. And unfortunately, he's going to miss this season with a knee injury. So for now, taking over for him is going to be Alfred Morris and Matt Breida. Uh, They will be the tandem in the Niners' backfield, and um, they are both capable runners. You know, Alfred Morris is a veteran who's been around the block, is not going to make many mistakes, and Breida's a little bit younger, and it's got a little more dynamic ability. And so it's not a horrible one-two punch by any stretch of the imagination. The Vikings are still going to have to bring their lunch pail if they're going to want to stop this running game. The 49ers have some talent and have invested in their offensive line, particularly with Joe Staley at left tackle and with Mike McGlinchey at right tackle, who they took in the first round out of Notre Dame. So um, the Vikings are are not going to rest easy just because Jarek McKinnon's not playing. They're gonna, still going to have to uh, mind their P's and Q's when it comes to the running game. Looking at the wide receivers, Pierre Garçon is the top wide receiver there. A nice addition for this team who had 7,568 career receiving yards, 37 career touchdowns. He's been around the block a little bit, so mm-hmm. that's cool to see. Marquise Goodwin, um, very fast running back. I know he was a track star um, as, as a as a teen and stuff like that, so he's he's a fast guy. Maybe yep. maybe you see Trey Wayne's um, guard him on defense. So, um, and they also drafted a rookie Dante Pettis out of uh-huh. the University of Washington. So some yeah. weapons there. Yeah, I think the um, the thing to worry about here is the combination of Goodwin and Garcon. They are fast, especially Goodwin, and they're good route runners. They're smart players, and Mike or uh, Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan's son, Kyle Shanahan, is their head coach. He knows how to design offense. And uh, he's got a good quarterback and at least two good receivers. So uh, the Vikings secondary is very good, and it will be a good test for them in week one going up against that tandem at wide receiver. 
along with the quarterback. Hopefully our pass rush can help out the secondary. The best pass defense is one that combines rush and coverage, so the Vikings are going to have to do that on Sunday. Bobby, tell us a little bit about the San Francisco defense. Well, I've been impressed watching a little bit of uh, of them on tape from the preseason to get ready for the Pete Bursich film segment, which we will do every Wednesday uh, here at TCO Performance Center for Vikings Game Plan, which you can see on Vikings.com and on uh, Fox 9 and Fox Sports North. You know, I've been impressed with their front seven, particularly two of their defensive linemen, Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner, um, in addition to Solomon Thomas. All high draft picks and yep. all really good players. Buckner and uh, Armstead, uh, in particular, with their length, um, they're still able to play low, uh, but they are long-limbed and hard to block. And then they have a rookie linebacker, Fred Warner, who has been really fun to watch on tape. Wow, that's a and name he, you don't hear. Yeah, yeah. And now um, Reuben Foster will not play for the Niners in this game. He's suspended. But they still have a pretty good linebacking core, and this this rookie, Fred Warner, is one of them. He wears jersey number 48. You want to be impressed with a young linebacker? Turn the tape on from the Niners-Colts preseason game. 48 is all over the field. So wow. we're going to have to find a way to block all these guys. It's a good defense. Their corners are physical and will come up in the run game. You know who they have? Who do they have? Richard Sherman. Wow. So um, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Um, this is not a bad Niners defense at all. They have some talent, and um, I think this is going to be a very physical game on Sunday and between a familiar, these two defenses. A familiar face at the kicker position is Robbie Gold, who actually used to play for the Chicago Bears. So Yes, he is solid. So um, Solid kicker. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I think I think these Niners are a pretty good team. It's um, And, you know, I think John Lynch knows what he's doing as the GM. And, um, you know, I think Kyle Shanahan knows what he's doing as the head coach. So the Niners are going to come in here, and it's going to be a good game. I'm looking forward to watching it. All right, let's wrap this show up with some fan mail. Okay, what we do have, you got? We got three questions. The first one is from Patrick from Altamont, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Although it is tough to lose players like Robison and Newman, I do like that Zimmer makes decisions based on who he feels will be best for this team. Mm-hmm. It says he is willing to do whatever it takes to make, to make the best team he can. It had to be the hardest day he had as a coach to tell those guys about his decisions, but I am very glad that Terrence is back as a coach. Your thoughts on this decision regarding these two? Yep, and you know Zimmer said it's the toughest part of football is um, you know to to go through the process of cutting down to 53 and having to say goodbye to players, especially players that you get to know so well. Um, you know, and he was talking about Brian Robinson, and um, you know, it's yeah, you, you, you hate to see him go. I mean, yep. and not just because of 96 questions, 96 questions, not just because of 60 <laughs> sacks, but I mean, Brian Robinson really cared. You know about the Vikings and winning and playing well and representing his family and his organization the right way. So, yeah, it sucks, man. It's a tough, tough part of the whole thing is uh, is saying goodbye to some of these players. But um, you know, Zim and Rick have a job to do, and the job is to keep the best players that give the team the best chance to win. And they have to blend what's good for us right now to win games right now, and what's good for us to sustain that success over the long term. And sometimes. A decision serves one of those interests, but not both. Those are the tough decisions. That's hard. The easy ones are the ones that they both make. Hey, we're going to keep Dalvin Cook on the roster. Yeah, he's going to help us win right now, 
and he's going to help us win six years from now. Yep. Um, the tough ones are where it's like, if we had to win a game this second, yeah, we'd keep that guy. But, you know, we got to win games for the next X number of years. So you can't keep that guy. You got to give that job to a younger guy. So that's a tough part of the job. Zim and Rick do as good a job as anyone at, at drawing that balance. And these were two tough decisions for them, I'm sure. Yeah, and it was awesome to see all the statements that were issued from Vikings ownership and uh, Vikings COO Kevin Warren, as well as Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. So mm-hmm. um, definitely... Very well respected in this building was B-Rob. Moving on to the next one from Eric Hendrickson from Colbertson, Montana, way Mm -hmm. out there. Okay. With Jarek McKinnon out for the 49ers, Wabi, who do you think will be taking over the workload for them now? Yeah, it's going to be, I think for now, Brita and Alfred Morris. That's who's going to do it. Now, they also have a fullback named Kyle Juszczyk, who's pretty good. He's more of like you use him uh, as a a pass catcher. Yeah, yeah. You use him kind of as a pass catcher more than as a runner, but he's got some athleticism too. So I think it'll be those three guys who kind of combined uh, to handle the workload. Yeah, those guys were picked up in fantasy football this week. For for sure. sure. Oh, yeah, they were waiver wire claims. You bet. All right, the last one from Nate Atkins, considering that the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles, I don't even like bringing them up, <laughs> had five running backs on their roster, and considering the Viking, that Vikings offensive coordinator John Filippo came, came from the Eagles, how much influence did you think Filippo had on the decision with the Vikings deciding to keep five running backs, and do you anticipate the Vikings running into a similar scheme that the Eagles had last season. Well, I think, I mean, Filippo had influence because he's the offensive coordinator, but I don't think he's trying to copy what the Eagles did. I think the Vikings have five running backs because they have five They had five running backs who are good enough to make the team. Yep. Right? That, that's why I, what I think it is. I agree. And, I mean, look, we've, we've run into, um, you know, some injuries at certain positions where it really uh, wears on your depth, like offensive line the last few seasons, you yep. know? So, like, you don't want that to happen at running back, too, especially with Dalvin Cook having missed last year, yeah. right? So um, the Vikings recognized that they had depth at running back, and they kept it. So I, I think it's about that more than it's about copying what the Eagles did. I agree. And I don't think our – like, I think that we'll do some things that the Eagles did last year because Filippo likes to do them, yeah. and he's found that our players are good at doing it. But I don't think Filippo's asking all of our players to just turn into what the Eagles were doing. Yep. We're, we're, this is the Vikings offense. And let, let's remember, this was the number 10 offense in the NFL last year. Like, Filippo's not walking in here to the number 25 offense. Absolutely. You know, we were a top 10 offense last year. So is looking to bring some of his ideas, but blend them in with what's already working well. Yeah, a lot of times you hear some of the best coaches speak on talk radio and this and that, and the best quality that they say a lot of them have is the ability to see the different talent on different teams and adjust coaching to the way For sure. that, that that talent di- dictates you to coach. So um, John DeFilippo's coming in here with a totally different roster than he had in Philadelphia, so For obviously sure. there will be different um, – things that happen. Yeah. And if we didn't have good running backs, we wouldn't keep five. So that's right. it's good to have five good running backs, as Coach Zimmer said. Yeah. Um, and uh, that, you know, that that is and, – and that's what I mean, like not cutting off your nose to spite your face. Like forget about what is traditionally done at certain positions in terms of numbers. Yep. Who are your, your best players? And do everything you can to keep as many of them as you can. Absolutely. And that, that's what the Vikings did at running back. So, um, all right, that's, uh, that's going to do it for this – episode of the Wobcast, man. Are you pumped up? It's jam-packed, and it's because we are excited and ready to go. Yeah, man. All right. Um, Vikings Niners. Sunday, 
12 o'clock Central Time. Be there for the boom. The game will be on Fox, but also on the Vikings Radio Network. We encourage you to check it out there, where Paul Allen, Pete Bursich, Greg Coleman, and Ben Lieber will have the call. The Vikings Radio Network pregame show begins at 10 a.m. And also, if you're around a TV, turn on Fox 9 at 10 a.m. because Vikings Game Day Live kicks off at 10 a.m. Yours truly, among a cast of several others, will be there to preview the game. So, on behalf of producer Chris Corso, and our thanks go to Paul Allen. This is Wobby signing off for now. This episode of the Wobcast is over. Enjoy the game, everyone, and then come back to Vikings.com next week because we'll be coming back with another edition of the Wobcast. Until then, have a good weekend. See ya.